Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Jason Goes to Hell, a short story written by Jay Hughley, Adam Marcus, and Dean Laurie, directed by Adam Marcus, narrated by Dead and Married! Well, you really went for it there. <laughs> sort of. Hi, how did you like my audiobook intro? <laughs> That's pretty good. I think it would have been better if it was like LeVar Burton doing the Reading Rainbow thing. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm your host Ashley. And I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about the 1993 film Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. And today's going to be the hottest of take days. So just strap in and get used to it because I'm here and I'm going to defend it. <laughs> well, you were going to have... Uh, some pretty pretty good opposition here, I think. Not for me. Oh, I was going to say. But for... <laughs> this movie is a 4.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah. A 16% on Rotten Tomatoes and 17% on Metacritic. I don't care. <laughs> Honestly. So we were sitting and watching this last night in preparation for today. And I was like sitting there reciting almost every single line of the movie. And I'm looking at you and I'm like, I don't give a shit. I love this movie. I love, love, love Jason Goes to Hell. And I don't care. I I, I will admit it. <laughs> <laughs> is this the hill you're going to die on? It is. Well, okay then. I, I will I will Boromir that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was a bad guy, at least to a point. Yeah, well, can't all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> so, this movie stars John LeMay as Stephen Freeman, Carrie Keegan as Jessica Kimball, Kane Hodder comes back again as Jason Voorhees. Stephen Williams is Creighton Duke, also known as comedic sidekick, sort of. Comedy relief. I think so. Because he's not, that's pretty much all he's for in this movie, which is sad because he's a good actor. No, he's a badass. That's what he's there for. (sighs) He's the comedy badass. Stephen Culp plays Asshat, sorry, Robert (laughs) Campbell. Aaron Gray is Diana Kimball. Rusty Schwimmer is Joey B. Richard Gant plays the coroner. Leslie Jordan plays Shelby. Woo! And we are joined once again by Billy Greenbush. Last scene on Critters. He plays Sheriff Landis. Uh, Kip Marcus plays Randy. Andrew Block is Josh. And that's pretty much where I'm going to stop. Julie Michaels. She plays Elizabeth Marcus, the FBI agent, in the very beginning. Okay. And one more that I want to throw in there. Allison Smith plays Vicky. Now, she's credited as Vicky on IMDb. I'm almost positive they call her Betty in the movie. I will... Maybe not in the movie, but at least in the subtitles they did. So yeah, that's kind of weird. The subtitles were just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what we've been calling her, Badass Betty. Yeah, we were, like the whole time. Because she's easily the most competent Jason fighter in this whole movie. Right. She takes no shit from anyone. <laughs> so, from what I understand, I'm not here alone on this mountain hill thing, standing by myself. Uh, do you mean in, in defense of this movie? Yeah. Well, no. I will I will stand here with you. Yay! <laughs> I don't know if it's a movie I'm willing to die for, <laughs> but at least until the bullets start flying, I'll stand here with you. Well, I re- seem to remember, and I could be wrong, I seem to remember that Kent and Megan both said they didn't mind this movie either. So, Well, and I'm not going to lie, uh, when we went through and ranked this movie in with all the rest of them, I, it's pretty high up there for it's me. It's pretty high for me, too. So, And I honestly don't understand a lot of the hate that this movie gets. I think you've got some like purists out there that just and we're, hate we're on not this movie because they want trying to offend anybody here. Well, I mean, they just 
they decided to go a different direction in this movie and that's okay like yes metallica did ride the lightning and then they came back and they did the black album later and everybody said they sold out they didn't sell out they just changed their sound they were a lot fucking older when the black album came out of course they're gonna sound different this is the ninth fucking movie of course it needs to be a little different it's okay because if they'd made it same 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 then they would have bitched because it was the same as the other ones so, I don't know. Well, again, I'm going to give director Adam Marcus a straight high five. His opinion has, has always been, guys, we just want to do something different. If you don't like this, if you don't want to watch this, there are eight other movies ahead of this one that you, or sorry, seven movies ahead of this one, or before this one, that you can go back and watch. My problem is, is that they were getting very, very stale, and there was obviously a formula. Kids go to camp, Jason kill kids. Kids. One girl survived for seven, eight movies. Yeah, just wash, rinse, repeat. And everybody was like, this is boring. Why don't we get something different? You throw in a new beginning. People go, I hate that movie because it's different. Then you throw in Jason Takes Manhattan. I hate that movie because it's different. Yeah. <laughs> Part nine. I really hate that movie. <laughs> yeah, they can complain about it being stale and they fuck you for trying something new. Yeah, exactly. I just don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't but either. They did. He went a different direction in this movie. And, it, okay, this movie basically ignores every movie that came before it, right? Pretty much. The only, the only way that it acknowledges the other films is that in the beginning it says that he's responsible for something like 200 murders. So you would have to include all the films that came before it to get to anywhere close to 200, right? And you would have to include all the kids he killed on the boat and part eight but that'll get you to 200 real fast but it ignores everything and just sets up a whole new mythology they built a mythology for jason i know someone finally did it i mean it seems like they might have kind of attempted it in jason lives although i wouldn't really say it's a mythology so much as it's just a this is how we're gonna destroy him kind of mythology right but in this one they came up with more stuff i mean they, there's stuff. a whole well, i don't want to ruin it before we get there but yeah um they they changed how Jason operates, sort right. of. And it, it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. They incorporated things that are not even a part of this universe. And just suddenly here it is in the house sitting on a shelf. So. But uh, the Necronomicon. <laughs> like all of a sudden, you know, the Necronomicon is part of the, the Jason universe. It's dumb. I think that was just a nod. But <laughs> they put in some effort. That's my point. Yeah, that's my, that's it, my point is they it, tried. It's probably not done as well as it could have been done. Yeah, but, is it perfect? No. But they put in the effort to make something new and different, and I can appreciate that. And they're, oh man, oh man, oh man. This was the first movie where they looked at the MPAA and said, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, we'll make your little rated R movie with everything cut out, but then we're going to go behind your back and we're going to make an unrated version for people to see anyway. And I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to keep everything that you make us cut, make an unrated version and release it straight to video and fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and this was, awesome. this was an absolute special effects showcase. It, this movie was a feast for the eyes and I was absolutely happy with it. With no digital effects. Also I don't awesome. think so. No, that's what I said. No digital effects. They yeah. did everything practically as far as I could tell. Well, I mean, there's so, a few things, you know, like little orange spark things. Well, in... but I'm talking about the kills. <laughs> yeah. They didn't CG the kills. Yeah. So, so you points wanna, for that. You want to get into this bad boy? Let's do it. All right. So we begin with, as I have her written here, is super hot lady <laughs> driving to Camp Crystal Lake. Is that a booty so nice you'd pinch that twice? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But, 
but uh, she's obviously a babe. She goes to Camp Crystal Lake. It's, it's set up like she's staying there for the weekend or whatever. She gets there. She has a light bulb go out. She goes to switch the light bulb. Then she goes to get a shower. The lights go out. So she wraps up in her itty bitty towel, goes to check things out. And who shows up but the man himself? So the actress that played this character, she's she's funny. She is funny. In, in real life, she's funny. And in one of the one of the interviews they did with her for Crystal Lake Memories, I guess it came up. The, the quality of her hair extensions in this shot, they're, they're not up there it's like it looks fried as just, fuck. it's all clip on or something <laughs> i don't know i don't know how that works but it was bad like it was bad enough that after you pointed out even i was like holy shit that's really terrible <laughs> but i guess the director brought it up to her that hey your hair looks really bad and her response was well if they're looking at my hair instead of my tits we got a problem yeah pretty much so she just she just jumped in there yeah uh, she, she totally acknowledged what kind of movie she was making right and ran with it yeah so i know there's some debate on jason's look i happen to think this is the scariest jason has ever looked i have no problem with jason's look in this no i mean there could be an argument for how he looked in uh the new blood because he did look really badass beekler did an incredible job with jason's look in that film but for me personally i like the look of the tumorous head and the mask seeming to grow into his skull I think that's an, a neat look. Um, sure, you could say the hair coming back out of nowhere is kind of weird. It was Rogaine. But he started using Rogaine. As anybody has already figured out throughout this series, I am a huge fan of the work that KMB did over the years in horror. They're my favorite team. And of course, they're not all three together anymore. But I am a huge fan of all the work that they did in their early heyday and this was one of the things that i loved i loved the look of jason yeah i think he looked good and this is what so you had there were only ever three really big effects artists that worked on the friday film right you had tom savini mm-hmm. beekler but he was a director not an effects guy at that yeah, point. i think he did both he may have done both and then k and b in this one which explains why a lot of the rest of them they were just sort of so so but we did have basically the big three and then K&B tackled this one and they did they went all out for it they really did like I said it, this is an absolute showcase of their talents but this intro if I was going to complain about anything I would say that there are parts of the intro this introduction uh, that are a little too dark and I, I feel like darkness is a good thing in a, in a, a film where you're trying to build tension but I have to be careful about where they use it you know, like if you've got a seriously dark corner and the killer's going to emerge out of it, like she turns around and Jason's right there behind her in the dark. I think that's fantastic. But if you're supposed to be following a character around, kind of helps the audience to see what the hell they're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, to me, I'm, I'm on the opposite end. I actually thought that made it more realistic for what was going on. Now, if you're talking about a movie like Alien vs. Predator Requiem, where the entire fucking movie's dark and you don't know what the hell's going on, that's different. But in this case, where the electricity's out and she's trying to look around, that's absolutely how it would be. Yeah. And I, not, I think it's scary. But we're not... I know. I'm just saying that from a viewer standpoint, not a real life standpoint, maybe a little more light in a couple places wouldn't have been a bad thing. You know what? In Pee-wee's Big Adventure, when he was outside in the pitch black and all we got to see was the eyeballs, it was creepy because we didn't know what those sounds were around him. Could have been animals, could have been monsters. It was creepy because Pee-wee Herman's running around in the dark and you don't know where he is. (laughs) He could be right behind you. I'm just saying, in this case, I felt it worked. But uh, the other thing I liked about this opening is the chase scene. I mean, obviously, she's got her magical stay-on towel, right? (laughs) How she can park her through the forest and that towel stayed on, I have no idea. But I guess 
Kane Hodder really did scare the hell out of her mm-hmm. when he pops up behind her and she took off running. Because originally she was supposed to what run around the car, mm-hmm. but he scared her so bad she just slid across the hood, Dukes of Hazard style. Yeah, like he legit scared her. <laughs> but I think that whole chase scene was pretty good. Yeah, it was well done on both parts and the coordinated artillery strike at the end. I, I don't know. Well, I was gonna say before we get there, um, the the thing of him just bringing back that hulking persona and the heavy breathing and the quick head snaps he he was in full form and you knew that that this was oh yeah this is my jason yeah but then yes as you just pointed out we have what what are they a swat team it's yeah it's some some kind of uh, i don't know swat team a strike force or whatever that laid the trap and they got like the stadium lights up i I feel like Jason hasn't ever fallen into a trap like that before. Right. And they've set up a whole three ring circus out there in the woods and he just runs right into the middle of it. And I, to me, it's crazy because like every officer is using a different kind of gun and that's not how that would work. <laughs> like, <laughs> they would have all probably the same gun, uh, but like some are using pistols, some are using revolvers, some of them, you know, it's dumb. But, <laughs> and then they give you the impression that they did like an airstrike on him, right? Because even Jason looks up. Like, did they, did they just do a fucking bombing run on Jason? <laughs> Is it a tactical strike? Is there a Predator drone up there? And that just, I don't know. But they blow Jason's ass to Kingdom Come three ways from Sunday, and eventually his head just pops right off. Yeah. What's funny, what was funny about that scene to me, not that his head popped off, I was kind of like, well, fuck, this is the shortest Friday movie ever. (laughs) Roll credits. Was Creighton Duke is watching him in the woods and he's just like shaking his head. He goes, I don't think so. And he was right. Which we as an audience, we know that too. Which brings us to the intro music because this is when we get our opening (laughs) credits. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all. Fuck that music. (laughs) I will admit it's pretty silly and it may be another case of where harry manfredini who returns in this film maybe wanted to try something different a la the disco theme in part three but travis has stated many times they don't need to try anything different with the score (laughs) I, i just feel like they can't they shouldn't change it entirely you know what I mean? If they change it intensity or pace or something like that, that's one thing. But to just say, fuck it, we're going to start with a totally different, totally different theme song, totally different everything now. That just doesn't, that doesn't do it for me. It's just so dramatic and silliest possible it way. It really is. And the whole time <laughs> they're playing it, you're getting this, the, the intro credits with this long autopsy scene going on. And I don't know, they just didn't match up well to me, in my opinion. <laughs> Like, I don't think all that imagery and the music and everything went together very well. But speaking of the long autopsy scene, I actually enjoyed this part. I did too. I I don't know. It was it was interesting. Like, you get a few jokes from the coroner, uh-huh. right? And then, I guess, the heart of darkness <laughs> starts speaking to him. And he's like, I'm going to get that cocktail fruit. <laughs> so this, this was the first scene that really cracked me up, right? Because the heart just starts beating out of nowhere. And he does this thing where he kind of raises his fingers up like... He's trying to figure out what the hell's happening. It's like, what? Like, I could have swore that heart wasn't beating a minute ago. And then all of a sudden he kind of does his head cock. He looks at it like, I know. Yeah, I'm going to break off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. <laughs> yeah. And he just goes to town on it. That's so, pretty yeah. much how he eat ribs, though. And so, you know. As he's eating the heart, that just continued to make me laugh because he looks very angry as he's eating this heart. And so, the best thing that I could attribute it to was a toddler sitting there eating, like angry. Like, after you've told them to eat and they don't want to eat, if you don't eat, you're not getting any ice cream after. So, he's just holding that heart up and he's just gnawing the shit out of it. Yeah, and they just. See, mom, I'm eating it. And the toddler just slams their face down in the spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But you'd pointed out something to me that I had never noticed before was after he kind of finishes the heart, you can see it going yeah. down his throat. Uh-huh. That was my first that's, kind of favorite effect. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I had never noticed that before. All I noticed was the he had a bunch of Tinkerbells flying around him there, like little fairy firelight things going into him after the fact. And it was really dumb. Now, I will pass on the endless stupid knowledge that I've had for years from this movie as oh, I go. Oh, please do. <laughs> One of the things was, I was always curious how they made that heart. I just thought that was really cool. And what I, I could be wrong to this day, but what I had always heard was that the heart itself was made of gelatin and it was filled with fruit cocktail and black food coloring. And I always just thought that was cool. I was like, so it's tasty. It's a tasty heart then. <laughs> I just want to share that even if I knew that that was just fruit cocktail and black food coloring, I still wouldn't eat it. <laughs> it looked nasty. Like, it is bad. Not as bad as the effects of the spirit of Jason possessing the coroner. That's bad. But, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I couldn't do it. So next we have our other coroner show up, played by one of the writers, Dean Laurie. And in a amazing, and, sorry, an amazing cameo, we have Kane Hodder playing a guard. Who's, what is, what is this, like, some hospital or yeah, something I mean, in Youngstown, like, Ohio? Yeah, he was just a security SWAT yeah. team guy. Yeah. Like, not really normal security, like, paramilitary hanging out since Jason's body's in there. Yeah, so he searches the guy down, and apparently they're assholes, because the guy's like, you literally just saw me walk out of here, and he was coming back with food, obviously, and but he gives him a pat down anyway, and then, I don't think he tickles him on purpose, but... I don't I think he was grabbing his ass. <laughs> but... He turns into a giggly bitch. Yeah, the coroner fucks with him, and then he goes ends up going into the lab where we now know that Jason has possessed the coroner from before, and coroner B proceeds to start talking shit about Jason. Like, it's not every day we have the body of Jason Voorhees on our table, and basically we should use this opportunity to fuck with him. Yeah, he's like, I want to take a big mango-sized dump right on your mask. Stop, I hate that line. And he starts giving him the finger. I do love that part. Suck this. Suck yeah. it. <laughs> Until the Jason coroner is like holding up this tool and I didn't know what it was. And he's he says, like, yes, that's a probe. It's a probe. And then he gets probed with the probe. Yeah, he he grabs him by the head and buries that probe into the back of his head into this metal grate on top of, I guess, a table. Yeah, I think at that point the probe was unnecessary because he slammed his face down on that expanded metal so hard. It looked it like burger. cut into him. Yeah. He his, was well tenderized. Yeah, he really was. <laughs> and then corner A, or Jason, proceeds to walk out. And this is the best part. Jason runs into Jason. <laughs> Very meta, and Kane Hodder says, "Hey, what's the verdict, Doc? Jason gonna be getting up and walking around anytime soon?" And the other, and and Jason's just gonna walk off, fuck those guys. But then the other security guard goes, "We really nailed that fucker." <laughs> He's like, "That's a bridge too far." <laughs> so. Well, until Kane Hodder says. <laughs> Sorry. You can't do it. Can yes, you? I can. He says he wasn't nothing but a big old pussy anyway. <laughs> And that's the last straw. <laughs> that's the last we see the guard. Well, not really, because in the very next scene, we're doing kind of like um, a current affair inside edition ripoff of um, a character named Robert Campbell, played by uh, Stephen Culp, who's, I guess, our journalist, investigative journalist. And he's doing the big story on Jason being back and he's killing all these people. And they've made the decision as a network that they're going to pay this bounty hunter to take out Jason. 
Now, I just want to say that anytime that they incorporate like news footage into a movie, I like it. I don't know why, but I think it's cool when they did it in Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. which is a movie we should totally do. RoboCop. And RoboCop. I just think it's neat when they cut in like news footage. I don't I don't know. I'm a nerd. So I happen to really love the character of Creighton Duke. I think he's funny. I think he's charming. I think he's a complete badass. At the same time, I do feel like he's a little wasted. I wish we had a little bit more time with his character because he is his introduction is completely bizarre <laughs> because <laughs> the character of Robert says I'm gonna say two words to you and tell me what what first thing is to come to mind and he's like okay shoot he says Jason Voorhees he says well, that makes me think of a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut and Robert just looks at him like I don't know what the fuck to do with that <laughs> you know we never we never uh, saw it in any of the interviews or anything like that, but it makes me wonder how much of the shit that he said was ad lib. I don't know. Because it, it's just off the wall shit that is. he says to people sometimes. Yeah. And then he turns around and he's like basically explaining this new mythology we're setting up with Jason and that his evil is just an entity that can be passed from person to person to person. He says, Jason wears people's bodies like folks wear suits, which is a great line. And he's saying, basically, he's the only one who knows how to take him out. And, and then he'll he, do it for $500,000. Yeah. And he says, for that, you get the head, the tail... The whole damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure you got that quite right. Oh, no, that's a different movie. But yeah. let's say you get the mask, the, the mask, machete. The machete. But the fact that he quoted. Uh, Y'all know Clint, me. Yeah. Know what I do. The fact that he quoted Jaws is badass. <laughs> it really is. I don't care if people think that's Which, corny. I thought it was To be fair, <laughs> if you're hunting Jason Voorhees, kind of like hunting Jaws. He's just going to keep dragging those barrels down. Right. Nothing you can do about it. That's true. But we see that this is now playing on a TV in what looks like the back room of a diner and a waitress is watching. Now, in this diner, there is a Jason is dead extravaganza happening and... This is actually something I replicated for our family. We like to do theme nights sometimes. We haven't done one in a long time, but it was a thing that I used to like to do. So one day I decided we're going to watch Jason Goes to Hell and I'm going to make the Jason burgers exactly the way she did them. And I'm going to make Jason fingers, a.k.a. fries. And it was fun. We, we had a great time. Yeah, and you made a like a Jason cake. I did make a Jason cake and I made a candied popcorn, which was just regular candy coated popcorn, but I drizzled um, red melted chocolate over the top so it looked like blood. It was really cool. I'm a huge nerd. You should do that more often. (laughs) Say, when I love you, I make things for you. Yay. You guys are not thankful. She hasn't made me anything in a while. (laughs) (laughs) But we get introduced to a few characters, and that's um, the character of Joey, which I love the actress, but the character of Joey is annoying. And her husband, played by the one and only icon, Leslie Jordan, and their son. So it's husband, wife, and son running this diner. And they're having the two-for-one burger sale, and we're basically just meeting these people. Creighton is sitting at the table, and our waitress that was watching the TV, who is named Diana, played by Aaron Gray of 
Buck Rogers fame. Goes up to him and asks him what he wants to eat and he orders but then she knows who he is. She kind of knows why he's or she knows why he's there and he's trying to explain to her that he needs her help but she doesn't want any part of it and her boyfriend who is the sheriff and played by Billy Greenbush goes up and he's like hey man you know just get out of here and Creighton's not having these. Why don't you blow me chief after your girlfriend here gets through and (laughs) sheriff goes to punch him (laughs) it says that's my lady you're talking about (laughs) he's like well no she is only your lady because she ain't had a taste of the duke yet (laughs) i love that whole fucking exchange i'm sorry i do (laughs) no and the thing is is that he was having a perfectly well it's not really normal conversation but respectful conversation with her until sheriff boyfriend shows up until howdy duty interfered and starts trying to throw his dick around and then he's like "Mm, back up you don't know who i am so then they arrest him for doing nothing but talking shit well no there's two things that would happen in america today they would absolutely profiteer off of the death of a serial killer and he would get arrested for doing nothing exactly so So, you know it's a tuesday technically this movie is before it's time But then we next meet the character of Steven, who's a kind of nerdy guy, wears a letterman jacket, sitting at the bar, and Diana goes over to talk to him. And you get that they have a relationship, um, and she asks him to meet him later that night after she gets off of work. So, we cut to that night. Well, so I just want to point out a couple things before we continue, is that Creighton Duke kind of lays out this whole thing, all the mythology, right? He was born of a Voorhees, he has to be killed by a Voorhees, only in a Voorhees can he be reborn, and he tells her more or less that, and he tells Stephen that later in jail. But, again, I know I said at the beginning of this, you can't read too much into it, but, you know, when did Jason become a body jumping entity like this is the first time it's yes. ever happened yes if duke has been hunting jason all this time why is this the first time we've seen him don't do that don't and do that don't do that here's the thing i'm just disappointed that we didn't see him before this <laughs> like honestly if they'd sprinkled the duke in through the other movies they might have been better he would have been like the loomis of friday the 13th and which, what's wrong with that nothing i'm saying that would have been cool so it would have been better it. to have that instead of just a bunch of disposable people right but i don't know it's just, I really kind of, I'm, I'm alone. I'm alone on this hill. Kind of wish they would have introduced some of this shit earlier in the franchise. I know. And technically, he's never had a sister before until this point. Again, I can forgive it because I feel like they're trying. No, I'm not. And I'm not complaining about it. It's just, yes, you are. in hindsight, <laughs> th- these are all concepts that would have added depth if they'd been introduced earlier in the series. And you'd have more story there. There's more to do, more to go off of. Well, that was the thing, was that... That Sean Cunningham never intended Friday the 13th to turn into a big slasher franchise. He was dealing of a story, or he was trying to tell a story that had themes of family and loss and grief and never intended for it to be what it was. So he just wanted to reintroduce those themes this time. Well, even Tom Savini, when they tried to get him to come do part two, he was like, why the fuck are you doing a part two? Jason's dead. Right. So everybody knew it. I'm not, I don't know. I just think that the the ideas that they put forth in this are interesting. I just wish that we had more Friday movies that happened in this specific universe. Gotcha. I also want to point out before we move on that the character of Steven is played by John D. LeMay, who also played the main character character in the Friday the 13th TV series, which had nothing to do with Jason. But But it almost kept him from getting cast because one of the producers specifically said that that's the reason they didn't want him. Right. But uh, Adam McKay fought for it. Adam McKay? What am I thinking? The director of Talladega Nights? Really? Yes. I don't even know that. (laughs) I just came up with the wrong name. Anyway. Adam Marcus. 
See, they both begin with an M. Why are you busting my balls? Adam Marcus fought for him to be in this and I guess just dug his heels in at one. Yeah. So, and good choice because he yeah. did a good job. I I think uh, the character of Steven's great. He, he may be my favorite character in this film as a matter of fact. But the next thing we see is that Steven is driving down the road on his way to Diana's and he happens across a few hitchhikers. He picks them up, asks them where they're going and they say that they're going to Camp Crystal Lake. And he says, oh, planning on having a little sex, smoking a little dope and getting slaughtered? To which everybody's like, uh... And one of the girls says, she says, now that Jason is dead, we're thinking of smoking a little dope, having sex, and not have to worry about being slaughtered, which I thought was clever. And so he ends up dropping them off at the camp and the other camper... I, who I don't know her name. I just call her Blondie. She she's really hot after Stephen. No, like, she wants his. Cocktail she fruit. wants his cocktail fruit, and she tries to convince him to come along that they're going to skinny dip and whatnot. And but Stephen already is showing that he's kind of a stand up guy here, and he's like, "No, that's okay. Go without me." And he does have a look of, "Damn, I'm I'm going to miss something fun." But nonetheless, he drops him off and decides to move on. I think it's really neat that he acknowledged the tropes of the series, right? Right. There. Again, think- this was this was meta. But before, this was before Scream. Before even New Nightmare happened. Yeah. So, I mean, not after Jason Lives happens, obviously, so that's still the first, but this was another case of they were fully aware of what was going on. They, and I think the fact that they were aware of what this movie was made it better. Yeah, so... We don't have just a terrible lot going on with these campers because that's who we're with next. They they go have their skinny dip. They get done. There's a couple of girls needing to take pee-pee breaks, which I didn't understand. I was like, we really got to go watch them pee? I don't get it. Well, when we were watching the movie and, and Blondie's getting about to get in the sleeping bag, you're like, you better go pee first. <laughs> I did because I... And so she gets all the way in there and then she's like, I don't pee. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that. Like, better go pee. I know you got to pee. You better go do it. Which and then you did the same thing with the girl that went in the tent to get down. Like, no, you're going to have to pee before you do that. <laughs> I did. And I don't know the movie that well, so I thought maybe you just had the movie memorized. No, that was it. That was oh, it. Okay. I knew that she was going to go get a rubber and go pee. And then I knew that the other girl was going to go pee at some point too right. and get killed. Well, she had to go before she tangled with Tony the Wonder Llama. <laughs> God, I cannot tell you how much that line makes me cringe. If you've got to name your dick, you're probably hung like a grape. And I find it funny that he named it after a shtick from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Do you think that's what it was after? Have you ever heard of any other thing called the Wonder Llama? Like, that's the only place I know where they've ever, like, they came up with it. I have no idea. I have no idea. But this leads us to one of the best kills I've seen in the series. I don't think we're down there. Yeah, we're down there. Oh, we are. We are. Well, because they do, like, a couple of cut-ins, I think, but I'm probably wrong. And this is a pretty long, more graphic sex scene than we've gotten in... I was going to say, this, if you don't count the very end, everybody loves the very end of the movie. Have Put that aside for a minute. This is probably my favorite scene of the entire movie. The sex? No. What that results in, <laughs> because you see uh, the characters, like, yeah, like you said, a very graphic smash session, and I have friends and i'm not gonna call them out i have friends who are very appreciative of this scene or at least they were when they were teenagers and you see jason or you know the coroner who is possessed by jason walking over to the tent steps right down on a rubber on the ground so and the director said he actually got compliments for that yeah because i guess the guy decided he didn't want to bag tony up and throws his condom out yeah so they took it that when jason walks by and steps on the unused condom that the director was somehow promoting safe sex apparently the wall street journal called the film a return to morality and he even the director was laughing about that he's like ah it's just okay i'll take it sure (laughs) 
Yeah. But right as uh, Michelle Clooney's character, I guess, I guess she's coming. I guess that's what happens because she's... Well, you know, Jason's drawn to orgasms. Yeah. <laughs> she's in full-on O territory. And then all of a sudden, right through the sternum, she takes a road sign post. It's a T post. It's a, Yeah, T post. And then he jerks the post up, completely slicing her in half from the sternum to the shoulder. And there's blood spraying all over Wonder Llama. And he's freaking out and screaming. And unfortunately, he gets a death off screen, I think, because they had run out of money at that point. But yeah, you just hear a scream and then a crunch. Yeah. But... That, that may be one of my favorite kills in the entire That's franchise. That's pretty awesome kill. It's an amazing And I kill. would say, at least she got to go out on a high note. Yeah. And she was at the top when she went out. And so. K and B did a lot to make this kill look great from making a cast of the actress's body because you couldn't tell. Well, the thing that was weird to me about that is that they made the body cast like a full body cast of her in that position. Yeah. <laughs> that just seems terribly uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, and the Crystal Lake Memories, it showed some of the, the casts or the whatever the dummies that they had used. And I thought, that looks so unbelievably uncomfortable. How long did she have to sit like that? Right. For that shit to dry or whatever it does. But yeah, they made what, like three different models? Yeah. To, to pull that effect off. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I was saying, ultimately, it looked great because you couldn't tell it was a dummy. So... Yeah, I absolutely, I'll just go ahead and say it. That's my favorite kill of the movie. Absolute beast of a kill. Um, So next, then we are taken back to Diana, who's going out to feed a good boy in the back of the restaurant. His name is Tango. His name is Tango. And then we have a character of Josh, who I'm guessing is a sheriff's deputy. Yeah. Show up. And he, we get a little bit of a jump scare there, and they have a little bit of a talk about Ed. It... It's nothing that's important. Apparently, she's ready to get married. Ed has been holding holding out. Like it's it like I said, it's not important. But it's mostly just so we can get introduced to the character of Josh. And once that conversation is over, Josh's Josh's I can't talk. Josh Josh's girlfriend shows up. And I actually like this kill too cuz Jason pretty much bum rushes her and slams her head and neck into a car door and I it looks painful as fuck I mean every time I see that scene I go ah so like that too and then the next thing we got to is back at the Voorhees house some homoerotic naked man shaving <laughs> I have it just listed here as naked shaving n-e-k-k-u-d which the director said he did that on purpose yes that he he kind of thought well you know throughout the history of this franchise it's just been naked women so you know if the women got to get naked the men might as well get naked too yeah my only Although, gripe was couldn't you put a more attractive guy in there <laughs> like that's the guy you picked yeah like i'm so I'm, I'm a chubby guy too but there were some fit guys on here that you could have made naked and you picked him <laughs> and I, why is he shaving his face <laughs> I don't why know. does he have to shave their face before he can tongue fuck them you know what that reminds me of? You know, you remember the leech woman in Puppet Master? Yeah. That's what it reminds me of, but bigger. <laughs> and somebody out there listening just went, oh, you guys like Puppet Master? <laughs> I don't like it, but I'm familiar. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just the most bizarre thing. I can't explain why it's in there. I don't know its purpose. Adam Marcus just jokes around that he just wanted to make people uncomfortable because why not? Yeah. Yeah. And then the method of transference, you know. Yeah, everybody kiss on everybody. Well, and he and he even pointed that out. He was like, it's it's an interracial kiss between two men. Yeah. And he just did that shit on purpose because he wanted to fuck with people, I guess. Don't you but miss the times before they... COVID when you can just go kiss on random dudes? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> after you've shaved them, of course. Yeah, after you tie them up naked and shave their face. 
<laughs> but I think it's funny, like the look on the coroner's face, and he's like, "Give me some sugar, baby." <laughs> and now we've got Jason Deputy. Yeah, yeah, Zombie Josh is what I have him written down as. Because let's face it, that's kind of what they are. It's like pod people or zombies. But they don't act like it. I feel like they still come closer to the mannerisms and behavior of Jason. Mm -hmm. Because even though Kane Hodder wasn't actually actively playing Jason, he stayed on set to coach these actors through what Jason would and would not do. And the best part is, the director let him do it. And I think that was fantastic. Good move. (laughs) So in the next scene, we go back to Diana's house, where she is on the phone with her daughter, Jessica, who we're now introduced to. And they're having a talk about Steven and, and stuff. And then zombie Josh or Jason shows up and goes to attack her and she's trying to figure out what the hell's going on what's wrong with Josh and then she sees the reflection in the mirror which I thought these bits were cool they they did do one in the coroner's office which I forgot to point out where when Jason walks by a freezer door you see the corner normally but in the reflection you see Jason's body I thought that was cool yeah so they do the same thing here where she happens to look in the mirror and sees that it's Jason and, and realizes oh shit and then about the same time Steven shows up. Yeah, right and tries before to he help. can slip her the tongue. Yes, but not before Josh, Jason, uh, throws a ni- uh, knife. That's not a knife. <laughs> yeah, it's the sharpening steel out of a knife block. Yeah, uh, and impales her in the back. So she's dying, and then Steven proceeds to fight with Josh, and they end up. Well, because one poke <sighs> deserves another, he stabs Josh in the back with a fire poker. Right, and sends him flying out the living room window. And then about that time, Ed shows up, and just all he can see is Steven with Diana's dead body. And even though he tries to tell him that Josh did it and tries to show him where he went out of the window, Josh is now gone. You know he's not going to be out there. Right. Anytime, anytime they, they go out the window, they're never going to be on the ground outside the window. Now, the only thing that would have made that seem more per- perfect is if Loomis had been standing there looking off into the night. I think it would have been better <laughs> if Steven had started screaming, I shot him six times. <laughs> six times. So then, of course, Steven is arrested. And the next thing we see is that he's in interrogation room. And this is where we're introduced to the character of Randy. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give a minor complaint here. And that's that there are deleted scenes for the what was the made for television version that I have also watched and it set up basically how this group of core characters were really good friends like they had their little you know Monica Chandler (laughs) Phoebe group there where they were all really close and I wish that they had left that in to establish the relationships between these people that while they're not maybe not really close you get the idea that Steven and Randy are best friends from those interactions and I wish that they had left it in to have that established yeah because the moment Steven gets picked up Randy's like hey man I'm gonna get you out of here yeah like I I got you I don't know what happened but I know you didn't do it basically But um, then we see the character of Jessica properly show up to her mother's house. And then we have the character of Vicky, who they're supposed to be really good friends too. And she's scrubbing her mother's blood out of the carpet, which is really awkward. But I think you pointed out that, oh, for somebody whose mother just died, she seems okay. She's pretty well put together. Like she wasn't heartbroken over it, apparently. Yeah. But from there, we end up at the police station and Vicky is going to be babysitting the baby, which I didn't understand because Jessica's not really doing anything, but there to answer questions at the police station. So I don't know how the baby's hurting anything. So she has her be babysat with someone who's going to work. Right. That didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It's take your BFF's kid to work day. Yeah. But meanwhile, in the jail cell, 
Steven and Duke are getting acquainted. Yes. And this is another one of my favorite scenes. And this is the scene where I pretty much decided that Steven was my favorite character. Yeah, I really like this exchange between these two. Yeah, because Duke is basically telling him, hey, I know what's going on. I'm on the up and up and I'm not going to tell you shit unless you pay the price. And of course, Steven wants to help, wants to know what's going on, wants to know how he can save Jessica. But the price is a little steep. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand why he's... <laughs> because at first he asked for Steven's hand. Why? No, I know. I, I get it. I just don't understand why he feels like he needs to do the thing that he's going to do in order to give this information. He's just fucking with him. Like, he doesn't gain anything from it other than some sick enjoyment. Yes, pretty much. But, but... he asked for his hand and Steven's looking at him like, what the hell are you doing? Because it looks like Creighton's caressing his hand for a second there. Yeah, it's kind of sensual. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, crunch, because he bends one of his fingers all the way to one side and you have a little experience in this arena yes, steven just falls out like ah! <laughs> and uh I, I broke the pinky and ring finger on my right hand uh at the same time and it wasn't because of a person doing it uh, it's not fun it, it it does hurt um I, I don't know what steven did i had to straighten mine back out myself <laughs> Yeah, it's a funny story because you broke it at the park while you were playing with the kids. I know. And I was sick that day. And that was the reason you took the kids to the park was so that I could rest. And then when you got back from the park, you were like, look what I can do. And you took your two fingers and bent them all the way to the side. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, I had straightened them back out at the park because I had bent that ring finger at 90 degrees. And uh, yeah, I don't. The joint's a little wonky. But yeah, you know, so having been familiar with that injury, it's unpleasant. Yeah. So with every bit of information Creighton passes, or Duke, I'll just call him Duke from now on, every bit of information that Duke passes on, he breaks a finger in exchange. And the thing that gets me about Steven is that he just gets right back up after every subsequent break. And it's that last time that he stands up and he looks at Duke like, I'm ready. And then Duke takes pity on him. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I'll give you a freebie. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'll go ahead and tell you what you need to know. So then Steven ends up escaping by taking randy at gunpoint and putting him in the after he slams his head into the bars (laughs) like if these guys were friends it makes you wonder what kind of relationship they really had so from there we just have a brief scene where steven sneaks into the diner happens across his baby gets to meet her for the first time and then i think his name is max Uh, i'd have to go back and look but either way it's the son of the the people that own the diner and he gives him the keys to his vehicle yeah and from there steven goes on to the Voorhees house which is magnificent like why the fuck was she a cook at a camp i know right she looks like she married into money or something (laughs) yeah and inside apparently she was into the dark cards too. Because as Steven is going through this house, he happens to stumble across the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. So you think she's the reason it ended up in Michigan? Roughly translated, Book of the Dead. Or she went and recovered it from Michigan Woods. Who knows? He ends up hearing a noise and he goes to hide, but he ends up falling through the floor and is kind of trying to keep himself pulled up. And we see that it's Robert who showed up. And basically, he's trying to stage this big story about Jason killing people. He has plans on stealing Diana's body through, from the morgue. It, it's a very twisted plan that he has. And he goes, then I'm going to go home and fuck her daughter. Well... <laughs> I think he already fucked the daughter. But what I find interesting or funny, and it's just a timing thing, and maybe they meant it to be cringy or something, but he was talking about, yeah, I stole the stole her body from the morgue, and about that time it cuts to Steven in the closet, and her body falls on him. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's like, right. And then I went home and fucked her daughter. <laughs> 
He's, I call him asshat in my notes. Yeah. And then I have next here another K&B extravaganza. And that's because Josh ends up showing up about this time and then p- uh, possesses the body of Robert in the same fashion. Mouth to mouth resuscitation. <laughs> they soul kissed. <laughs> yeah. But then we see what happens to a body once Jason has left the body. And that it basically turns into the dude from RoboCop that drove into the toxic waste. Because he fucking starts melting. And while I enjoy the one from RoboCop more, this is still, holy fuck, the gruesomest thing I have ever seen. This this made me think of uh, Frank from Hellraiser and The Fly. Okay. I... I think I brought it up that I was saying, you know, this could actually be a body horror scene because imagine you've been possessed, you've kind of been at asleep at the wheel, you know, sort of. And then imagine when you're finally you again, you're fucking melting. (laughs) That's crazy. But the scene, because I have the unrated version, the scene goes on for a while and it's just slow and... It's very moist. Moist. (laughs) I hate that word, but yes. (laughs) And then later that night, we almost have a repeat scene of the first scene of this movie. And that's Jessica is going to get a shower and then the lights get cut off again. So she gets out of the shower and um, she sees Robert and he startles her and she, but she doesn't have any idea what's going on until he starts trying to possess her. It's basically a copy of the intro, except she's not an FBI agent. Right. But then luckily Steven shows up and gets her the hell out of the house and she's freaking out. But then she kind of sees that Robert does not in fact look like himself. She can tell something's wrong, but she's still not sure what's going on. And they proceed to run him over a couple of times before splitting. Now, once they've made it away from the house, he pulls the car over so he can explain to her what's going on. And of course she doesn't believe it. And obviously they broke up on bad terms. And so she doesn't believe a word that he's saying, doesn't trust him, and ends up kicking him out of the car and taking off. And so for all those people out there who say that these movies are exploitative and uh, harmful to women, I would like to point out that in this movie, these women take no shit from anyone. Oh, they don't. No, these women are great in this film. They will pass. All of them. Yeah. Maybe through the, the exception of Diana, because she really didn't do much. But yeah, every other woman like really kicks ass in this film. Yeah. Steven's left on the side of the road and Randy shows up and okay I actually need to make a change here because I have this listed as my favorite scene of the movie it's still pretty good (laughs) because say what you will that the humor's corny or whatever but I I love this scene I adore it it makes me laugh every single time no matter how many times I've watched it. But it's basically that when Randy shows up, Steven sees like, oh shit, it's you after I just did what I did to you. And Randy just decks it. He does. And then they headbutt each other and they're both kind of sitting there. Nobody wins in a headbutt. Yeah, they're both kind of sitting there dazed. And Randy's like, get in the car. And he's like, you get in the car. And he's like... Well, he says, why would I get in the car? Why would I get in the car? Because I have a gun. He's like, I got this gun. And he's like, fuck that. I got a gun. And they both pull their guns out at each other, like John Travolta, Nicolas Cage style. Like, like they're about to have a face off. Yeah. But until Randy tells him that Jessica's at the police station, in which case Steven's like, okay, fine, take me in. Well, he's just like, cuff me. Yeah. Like instantly. And that's something I got to say for this character. He's all about taking care of that baby. He's not smart. He's not. 
He's not the hero they wanted, but he's the hero they needed. <laughs> and we see that uh, Jessica's made her way to the police station and they give her a change of clothes and Robert shows up. And we get a, a cameo here from our director, Adam Marcus, as one of the cops. And he quickly tosses him like he's a fucking rag doll. He fucking T-800s his way right through this police station. Yeah, and goes right for Jessica. And again, right as he's about to pass the little worm dude over to her, Steven shows up with Randy and does the most badass handcuff maneuver. <laughs> I don't even know how he did that. I hope the real actor did that because that was great. Um, and then goes over, grabs, or he actually grabs Randy's pistol first and then proceeds to start blasting on Robert and putting one right in the middle of his head. And at this point, I think Jessica's kind of starting to understand that there's something really wrong with Robert. Right. Um, and I think after Steven shoots him in the head and then Robert gets back up, she's like, okay. Well, no, he stays there. He stays there. They run off and then two other cops run over to his body. He grabs both of those guys by the head and slams that's them right, together. Right. And then our director comes back running over, except he leaves the body this time. He's like, fuck this. So he's running through the cells where Duke just like closely lines his fist out from between the bars, knocking our director out and then escapes. So this is where they flee to the diner, mm -hmm. correct? And they're Robert, trying to get the baby back. Yeah, and Robert follows them. While, so while they're having that argument and what's it, uh, the lady at the diner? Like nobody's going to take being, that fucking ray of sunshine. Nobody's going to touch this fucking ray of sunshine. <laughs> yeah, which is how I'm going to start referring to all of our kids. <laughs> Well, apparently the line was different. That was her. That was the actress came up with that because right. they had given her a line and she was like, nah, this character's not going to say it like that. So this is what she came up with. Yeah. And I thought that was great. Like I said, annoy as annoying as she is, I, I love that line. But they send their son out to kind of stand guard in front of the diner. But Robert shows up and breaks his arm fucking Jeff Goldblum style. And that was a pretty awesome effect. Yeah, and then cuts the power to the diner. And then we get Vicky kind of spring into action here. She grabs up a shotgun and she just starts pumping him full of lead. She goes full Sarah Connor on his ass. Yeah. Like, she's one badass Betty. And meanwhile, Stephen and <laughs> Jessica find out that the baby is gone. And then at, at this time, Robert is basically making his way through the diner. He ends up killing Joey with a punch to the face that fucks her shit all the way up and drowns, burns Pookie. He, he stuffs him in the deep fryer. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty grisly. <laughs> the one I felt bad about, though, was Vicky. Yes. Or yeah, like we were calling her badass like, Betty for a long she time. She was, she went like full Amazon warrior there. Yeah, she grabbed every firearm that she came across. And when she was out of firearms, she just picked up a piece of rebar. She chucked that shit like a Spartan warrior. She really did. Holy shit. But sadly, Robert grabs her by the shoulders and pulls her on to the rebar as well. And she spits blood just in his in face. Time. And she still gives no fucks to the end because she's like, go to hell. And it's... Yeah. It's so fucking cool. Like, I've got chills thinking about it right now. It makes you wonder, like, who, who were these people? Because clearly, Steven, he's just not some barely graduated jackass that still wears his varsity jacket. Like, he jumped his cuffs, pulls out that gun like he's some kind of secret agent man. Yeah. Vicky is the Terminator. Yeah. I mean... She was who, fucking cool. Like Who her, are these people? Her death I was actually sorry about, even though we didn't spend enough time with her to get that character development. She was still just like, she didn't really know these people, or at least the way they have it portrayed, and yet there she is giving her life to protect them. She was, yeah. It was it was a death that I was disappointed about, for sure. She's, she's one that she could have made it to the end and been on the squad, and that would have been cool. But for some reason at this point, then Robert 
collapses out of nowhere like he's tired and Jessica has ditched Stephen and Stephen sees why and that's in place of the baby there was a note telling Jessica to come to the Voorhees house alone so she does exactly that she goes um to the Voorhees house and he gives her the baby and tells her it's not about the money anymore and gives her the magic dagger. So I don't know if this is true or not. I feel like I heard at some point that this dagger is also the same one in Evil Dead, but I'm not for sure I, on that. I don't know. I just know that it's the same little dagger that he's been playing with since his interview with Asshat. Mm-hmm. And he throws it to her, and all of a sudden it turns into some kind of medieval dagger cultist short sword thing. Like, would a kitchen knife have done that if you handed I it to her? Know. As long as it happened inside the house? I have no idea. Was that one special? Because he was carrying around, like, cutting apples with it and shit. I, I don't... I have no idea. I didn't write the movie. Yeah, I know. But... <laughs> But anyway, and then we get like a quick cut scene of back in the diner and there's a cop that is showing up to investigate the scene and then is possessed by Robert. And we go back to the Voorhees house and they're kind of waiting around and then a cop shows up. They don't know who it is. And Creighton saying, whoever it is, basically Jason could have taken possession of them at any point. So you're going to have to kill whoever it is. And of course she's going, I can't just kill somebody. But about that time, he falls through the floor and he gets impaled through the leg for a piece of rebar and is just hanging out there. And then Ed shows up and he's like trying to, you know, tell her, come on, give me the baby. Let's go or whatever. And then Randy shows up at the same time. So she doesn't know who to kill. And he's saying, kill them both. And she's saying, I can't. But then Ed makes another move to her. So she ends up killing him. But then we see that Randy is headed right for the baby to pass the little snake thing on. And about that time, luckily, Stephen shows up readied with the, looks like a smaller machete or very large knife and just wangs him right in the throat, damn near cutting his head off. And then we see that the little snake monster it's a demon tadpole. Yeah. <laughs> Slides out of his neck and starts attacking everybody. And once they get him thrown down, he ends up in the basement where Diana's dead body is. And he crawls in her cooter. And goes right in her pooter. <laughs> so as they're trying to pause for station identification, uh, they start hearing creaking noises and it dawns on Stephen. When you said that he had to possess the body of a Voorhees woman, does it have to be a living woman? And then Deuce like, ah, shit. Shit. <laughs> so again, one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Then we get fucking Kane Hodder Jason in all of his glory burst up out of the floor. This is where we need that uh, that guy that does the boxing thing. Let's get ready to rumble. Well, I was thinking that more guy. surprise motherfucker. Well, that too. <laughs> And this is my favorite because I love this shot of Kane just standing there and he's breathing fucking heavy and you're just, you want, you want to cheer at that point because you're like, yeah, baby, he's back. And I, I love it so, 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 so much. From this point, he and Steven proceed to fight. They end up both flying out of the living room window and Travis has some complaints here. Well, okay. No, first Duke gets killed by the serial crusher. (laughs) Right. That huge friggin' guy. <laughs> and I feel like that was not a fitting end to Duke. Oh, like, I was, yeah, I was needed, gonna say, I forgot to mention. He needed to die by Jason, but just to get, like, bear-hugged to death was kind of lame. Yeah. They should have come up with something better. Like, he should have at least gone down fighting. He didn't even go down fighting. Like, Jason just snatched him up and squished him. <laughs> that was it. Squished him. Squished him. Squished him. Yeah, that was it. That 
that was the end of Creighton Duke. Like all all the shit talking, and then that he was just, it. He kind of went out with a whimper. Yeah. But yeah, now we've got the uh, showdown at the OK Corral in the front yard between Jason and Stephen. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Here's still it's a good fight. Okay, but realistically, every single time Jason hits. Steven? Steven should have died. Right. We've every seen him he, punch Julius's head off. Every time he grabs a hold of Steven, Steven should have died. Every time he <laughs> throws him at something, Steven should have died. Right. So So the way I justify that in my mind, and maybe that's just a stretch or whatever, maybe I'm reaching, but I feel like at this point, everything that they have been through, Jason is straight pissed and he wants to fuck with him. My only argument would be he's never done that before. I know he hasn't. Jason doesn't play with his food. (laughs) I know he hasn't. But that's the way I rationalized it in my mind is he's pissed off and he's going to fuck with him for a minute. He's going to take it out on him before giving the the final blow but as they're fighting jessica finally decides to do something and grabs her magic dagger and stabs him in the heart with it now kind of about this time is when we start having little glowy orange lights coming up out of him and it seems like it weakens him so steven's able to land a few shots after that but jason's still fighting back steven's still getting all of his ass kicked until jessica's like oh i should probably shove that in a little bit more and then proceeds to kick the dagger all the way into his yeah, chest. Yeah, she just Chuck Norris's that thing. Yeah, and so in the best, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like the sky opens up. We have all these lights darting from Jason up to the sky, and then the ground opens up, and all these very large stone hands pop angry, out. Angry Muppet hands. Yeah, and this was done using a series of miniatures, which I thought was really cool. They grab Jason by the leg, they're trying to drag him down to hell, but Jason grabs a hold of Steven and starts pulling him down with him, and this always makes me laugh because Jessica's just like oh somebody should probably help that guy (laughs) she just she's just sitting there looking at it yeah she's giving him that poor poor bastard look yeah. And then, oh shit, maybe that's me. Oh yeah, it's yeah. A me. <laughs> maybe it's me. I should go do something. Yeah, so she ends up saving him, pulling him out, and then the ground swallows Jason whole. And we did point out to each other that that mask went all the way in the ground. <laughs> yeah. It went all the way through. It was it, not laying on top of the ground. And for some reason, I was thinking that the dog came and uncovered it. It could be said that he uncovered it the same way that they uncovered Jason's grave in, what was it? Part five. Five, because it had like a good... Light dusting. Quarter inch of dirt on it. (laughs) But at this point, we get our happily ever after. Mommy and daddy and baby are walking off into the sunset. And then we have good boy. And I don't know if it's Tango or not. Could be Tango. Come up and start kind of pawing at the mask. But then he gets distracted by other good boys and runs off. And we get our final fucking shot of the movie, which is iconic. (laughs) He doesn't know what to say because he knows it's true. I've asked you kindly to stop using that sort of language in front of me, but god damn, this is a good shot. I would almost go, I would almost use that word. Wow. Almost. That's the, a lot. That's saying something. You know the best part is? It's Kane Hodder wearing the glove. Yes. That's the best part. Yeah. We get Freddy's hand reach up out of the ground and slowly pull Jason's mask down laughing. So what do you think about Jason Goes to Hell? The Final Friday. I like this fucking movie and I will not apologize for it. 
Same, bro. Same. Actually, okay, okay. All right. We're going to go through the rankings. Let's just do it. Let's just get it over with. Um, I've actually got this ranked third overall. So do I. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm wrong. You're second, aren't you? I have this rated second. Don't at me, guys. Don't leave me angry messages. No torch and pitchforks. No tar and feathers. But this bumped Jason Lives for me, and this is my number two. See, I've got four, six, then nine, this one. Mm-hmm. Then five, seven, eight, three, two, one. Okay. So, so far I've got four, nine, six, five, two, one, eight, three, and then seven. Yeah. And I think for me anyway, this the reason this one ranks high is because it sort of checks all my boxes. I'm entertained. We've got some great kills. Um, even if even if Kane Hodder's not in it a lot. You know, the kills are still pretty good. And it gives you characters. It's a, it's a smaller, small-ish cast. It's not as small as I would like. But it gives you characters you can kind of root for, even though you don't get a lot of time with them. The characters have a fucking personality. Yes. They're not just, I'm here to smoke pot. I'm here to fuck. I'm here to, you know. it. It's They're not just your normal Friday the 13th characters. These are people, and you, you kind of root for them, you know, even though you don't get a lot of time with them. So you, you entertain me, and you give me characters that... That I care about. Those are your two things. I'm in. Yeah, those are your two so, things. I'm in. The only reason that four is, is still number one is because of Ted White. I'm just, I'm not even going to lie. But six, that's the reason six is my number two. It checks those same boxes. Smallish cast, you give me characters that I can get behind, that I can care about. I'm entertained. You gave me a badass Jason. So, yeah, this is three for me. So, I I knew that this would, for me, would rank pretty high. I knew it would, but I actually had it lower on my list when I originally made the list. And then as you were making your list last night, you were like, okay, let me put it to you like this. And then you were like, would you rather watch Jason Goes to Hell or this one? Would you rather watch it or this one? And you did that over and over until it turned out, oh my God, that's my number two. And I just thought, wow, that's fucking insane. Yeah, and I feel like sometimes when people rank movies, they're like, well, what, what about the lighting? And what about this? And what about that? Fuck it. Did you like it better than the other one? If you're going to have to choose between two movies, which one are you going to pick to Judge watch? it honestly. I put two movies in front of you. Yeah. Pick one. Which one are you going to watch? Now I'm going to put two different movies in front of you. Pick one. Which one are you going to watch? And just right. rank them. Which ones do you like best? Yeah. I, I mean, fuck, be honest about it. It's, it's my number two because at the end of the day, yes, I would rather watch Ted White's Jason, I think. Like I said, that's a better movie all the way all the way around. All around. And so I can't give it top spot. But this was another one. We were sitting there and I knew every fucking line in the movie. I knew what scene was coming up next. I knew what characters were in there. I knew the actors' names. I knew the characters' names. It was one that I knew like the back of my hand. Well, if I remember no other movie in the franchise I like that with. If I remember correctly, when you and I were talking about doing this movie, you've watched it so many times that even I could tell you what the big beats were, more or less in order. Yes. So even though horror is not really my thing still, I mean, it's becoming more my thing. I liked it enough that even though I wasn't really watching it, I still kind of knew what was going on. And that also goes to show how many times I've watched it. So many fucking times. Yes. So that's my thing. Yes, I've watched the entire series a bunch of times. I have watched Jason Goes to Hell more times than I have watched any other movie in the franchise. Because I I love it. It was, again, it was one of the first ones I ever saw. I think I might have been nine years old, I think. When did it come out? 93? That would have put me Mm, at 
10 yeah. years old, sorry. I watched it when I was 10 years old, thought it was amazing. You see that badass art cover with the metal mask and the snake going through. I love the trailer to this movie. I had the trailer memorized, guys. And I know how fucking pathetic that sounds, but it's such a good trailer. It's so dramatic and it shows all the really cool things. I can't, you know, I, I know what everybody, you're, the reasons that people hate this movie, it's fair. I will give them that. They pulled a lot of shit out of their ass that had nothing to do with the story before. Um, Jason, of course, is not in it, but maybe 10 minutes of the entire movie. So I get it. I really do. And all of those arguments are valid. This is just how I feel about it personally. And it's it's one of my favorites. So there you go. Now that we've shocked the world. <laughs> now that they've stopped, we've lost all five of our listeners. Well, we've lost at least three. <laughs> I shit on part eight, and then we both like this one, so... We've alienated ourselves. <laughs> hey, I didn't shit on party. You shit on party. I, I I will admit it. I told. I did. <laughs> I told everybody that I would be defending part eight and part nine. So next week we're doing Jason X, which I will not defend. <laughs> I'm back. I'm I'm going to be I, on the other side of the spectrum on Jason X. I might not be so much. I know Travis is simple, and I just <laughs> you're not wrong. No, I, if it wasn't for what's his butt, Todd Farmer, yeah, the same jackass that wrote My uh, Bloody Valentine, My Bloody Valentine 3D. 3D. Yeah, I just don't like 3D movies. That's what it is. I think that's it. I don't like Tom Farmer's writing. Todd Farmer's writing. It could be Tom. <laughs> it could be Tom. You never know. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom. <laughs> if it wasn't for him, I think the movie would be a lot better. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it there, but I don't know. That movie still checks a couple of boxes for me. It still has a couple of redeeming qualities, but ultimately it's not my favorite. It's my no, least. No, part four is your favorite. Yes, but I'm saying in terms of the list, it's my least favorite. Yeah. And I already know that. Well, we'll see. We'll see how you feel about it after we've oh, watched it. Oh, no, no, no. I've got, I've got my final ranking here. You're I'm not supposed to talk it. about that right now. I know I helped you make your list, <laughs> but you're not supposed to say it right now. You're giving the money shot right at the beginning. That's not cool. Anyway, but I think that about wraps it up for us. Yes. So we'll see you next week with Jason X. Gonna give it to you. Take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Hey, Ashley. So what would people do if they're enjoying the show and they want to leave us a review? You'd review the show on your favorite platform, but that's just me. But who are you? I'm SpookyMom83. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not going to direct you to Facebook because I hate it. <laughs> and I guess that makes me TravisL80 on Twitter. Just don't expect a lot. Yeah, you're not really big on the social stuff. I'm socially inept. <laughs> That's true. But if you guys want to reach out, tell us what your favorite movie is, got any requests, any questions, stuff like that. You know, they can just stop in and say hi. They can just stop in and say hi. I will say hi. 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 Hello there. <laughs> but seriously, guys, feel free to reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. So they can kind of just stop in for whatever they want. And tell Travis why he's the better of the two, obviously. Please. Please do that. <laughs> Till next time, guys. Later. Bye. <laughs>